Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John watches trash TV and files an unlikely insurance claim. Meanwhile, I talk about the one thing my wife could do that I could never forgive and reveal the ironic fate of the man who built the Brooklyn Bridge. Plus, a conversation about extreme individualism and whether or not it's compatible with the Christian faith. Today's episode is not sponsored by Broth. Call it what it really is, meat tea. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Johnny, it takes a lot of podcasts, 261 episodes to get it right. Um... Yeah, here's hoping this is our this is our go. Let's talk about that. How many was it? How was it for Edison? Four hundred and mm. no. If this is, if it's like we're making a light bulb here. You know what I'm saying? But they already made a light bulb, Johnny. That was an, an analogy. Is it an analogy or but, a metaphor? But they've already made analogies. <laughs> Stop trying to invent things that are already out there. Uh, I don't know. No, but you're right. We we're going to keep going until we get it right. I think that's I think I think that when I see a really big family, I'm like they're trying to get one right. You know what I'm saying? They're going to keep having kids until they get like, one they really like. That's that's a dangerous game. That's a hateful thing to say. It is. That sounds like something that somebody without kids would say, right? And, and it, mean it. I don't mean it, but it just sounds like something it, that if somebody didn't know me and heard that, be like, I knew it. He's one of those soulless non-kid right. having. I love kids. We just decided kids weren't for us, but it is it is fun to say mean things that you don't mean. Well, you get to do that. That's your whole job. Yeah. Well, maybe you mean them. Some, you, know, you could kind of bury in your own mean thing, like oh, he's he's just kidding. No, I meant that one. Well, I mean, but Johnny, yeah. some as Michael Scott says, sometimes the ends justify the mean. That's true. So that's, that's one point. of that was one of my favorite. Yeah. One of my favorite idio, well, just say Idioms. idiotic idiotic statements he ever yeah. made. So um, many. Oh my goodness! Um, no, I mean I think that you get to give commentary on different aspects of life, but yeah, people are expecting to laugh, and so you get a you get a different kind of. They're expecting me to pull the rug. They're expecting me, right? To, like, oh, here, here it comes. He make fun of me. Like you, almost people invite it. I will do it. Yeah, you're like, hey, you don't have to ask me twice. Yeah, Johnny's been making fun of me for twenty. We've got the show years. coming up here at the church soon. The Grove Comedy Club. June 11th. June 11th. Um, here at uh, our church, the Church of Pleasant Grove, 6 p.m. And some buddies of mine are coming out. Uh, we're working on, we'll do some of the hits, but we're going to work on new material. So it'll be a fun, like, uh, I was trying to think of ideas to call it, like, Fresh Cuts, or like, oh. um, I thought about calling it Elephant Sculpture. 
you know? Okay. Because it's kind of like, that's what the, that's how you build your act. You know, they talk about, you know, the old, is it a Chinese proverb? That's how you make us elephant sculptures. You, you take a piece of rock and you cut away everything that doesn't look like an elephant. I thought we were going to talk about like the blind man who felt the trunk and oh no, that could be it. Thought too. it was a snake and the right. The other guy was like, "Is this a new joke for your act?" <laughs> he, that's what he felt. Uh, no, yeah. So, but I'm just trying to think of a catchy. But no, that's a little bit too full philosophical. It's a little too deep for its own good. Elephant sculpture, but yeah, maybe once the show has progressed, people I- know what it is. I don't know a lot about comedy, but I find that people think things are much funny when you have to explain them like that. Yeah. Like you have to really yeah. go back and establish context. So I built be, a whole comedy career around I it. I used to work with a great comedian out of Nashville named Brad Edwards, and one time I was featuring for him, and he had a bit in his act. At, the, at that point, I think it was about 2010, and he said, uh, Dane Cook once told me, uh, it's not funny if you have to explain it. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> Because I hate him. That was the punchline, because <laughs> he hated Dan Cook. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, speaking of idiotic things, not, okay. the, not Dan Cook, I don't care. Dan Cook, I could, whatever. If you're a fan of Dan Cook, I apologize. I wasn't meaning, I was meaning idiotic, meaning our, it's Michael Scott thing from earlier, and idiotic uh, statements. Yeah. We went, uh, do you save movies in your house? He, you know what I mean? You mean like, Wait don't until watch we can the movie watch that. Yeah. or save you definitely save episodes of television shows we that you're on if you're series. binging a show and you go oh. you go the new one came out while right. you were on the road like if if a sunday episode of like succession we're watching succession now uh-huh. on hbo and uh it's the last season the last couple episodes so i'm on the road on sunday and if my wife had called me and said i watched we, it. i watched it Ooh. i think that would be it Right, like we had a good run. Like we really have a healthy marriage. Right. I love her more than anything. But there would be a trust broken. Yeah, that's like, it's cheating. Yeah, Lauren never would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she'll say, hey, I'm going to watch that HGTV show or whatever that you don't like. Yeah, she'll do that. She'll go, hey, I want to watch this. You don't care about it. I go, done, and I'll go watch the Laker game or whatever. Yeah. And she doesn't care about that. Do you know, I know we're getting somewhere, but do you know what kind of smut my daughter is watching now? I don't. Wait, hold on. Let me guess. Vanderpump Rules. No. What? Dance Moms. <laughs> she's watching Dance Moms. I'm like, what? She's 14 years old. Is it? What's the... Is she watching it like this is entertainment or is she watching it like, look at these crazy people? Both. Yeah. She's entertained by it's the like crazy people. It's like a car wreck. People. Yeah. She's, she's rubbernecking. Watching all the teenage girl drama, but really it's not the girl drama. The girls don't have a lot of drama. It's the it's moms. A, yeah, it's, the, it's yeah. why it's called Dance, dance moms, moms and Not Dance Come on now. Teens or whatever. But I'm just like, really? I, I mean, a good dad mm-hmm. would stop that right there in his tracks. Well, that's every show is going to be one of those shows soon. Yeah. It's going to be about fixing your house, or you're a dance mom, or you're a teen mom, or you're a... I did sit down and watch some of it with her. A teen mom that needs her house fixed, and you're trying to take up dance to help pay for the home repairs. Right, you dance now you the, have a show. Dance with the vacuum while you're... Yeah. yeah. I did sit down with her, and I was sucked in a little bit by just the dynamics of it. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so this girl smarted off, and then she got put on quote-unquote probation mm-hmm. by the head dance instructor, who doesn't have children herself, apparently. Yeah. If you watch this show, you guys are probably screaming things now. Because this is my first exposure. I think the quote-unquote thing is interesting that we say quote-unquote and then we, we assume, I guess the rule is that the next word that you say should have been in the quotes. Right. How do you know when the quote so is? you shouldn't say quote probation, unquote. Right. It's quote-unquote probation. But then everything else you said wasn't in the quotes. 
Right. I don't know. I'm yeah, how do you know? I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Although Stephen Wright used to have a bit where he said that he wanted, he wishes his first words had been, quote, so that his last words could be, unquote. <laughs> it's really dark and funny. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, though, Dance Moms. I just, though... What's probation for the... For the dancer? So it's like time out? Like she doesn't get to, I guess, perform on the oh, okay. ones team Jeez. or whatever. I don't know. So the mom's screaming, and then the, the dance instructor's like, mm-hmm. you're enabling her. She had a smart mouth, and this is the consequence for yeah, it. Right. I'm going, well, that is kind of interesting as a parent, like, you know... Or just a, a, a casual observer, like, mm-hmm. is she enabling her? And then two hours later, I was sitting with a box of Kleenexes and just, just sobbing. completely there. Just sobbing. And you're just saying, Sadie, why can't you dance like that? <laughs> it's because your smart mouth is why you're on probation. That's right. You're like, I turn, now you turn know. into this monster dance dad. Do you ever see these kids acting out and look over at Sadie and go, if you ever said that to me or if you ever? Absolutely. Yeah. Because Curry watches Vanderpump now. And uh, she's late to the party. It's 10 seasons in. I don't, I see it, but I don't know what it is. It is. Okay. So I'm going to butcher it. Do it. This is base, my basic information. This is this. the entire premise of our show. So Real Housewives of whatever, or maybe one of the original ones, maybe it was LA or Orange County or Hollywood. They had a woman on there who was a British, she's very elegant looking, like former supermodel looks, okay. stunningly attractive, <clears throat> but she's older lady now. Anyway, she's very British and very whatever. She, I think her name is Lisa Vanderpump. She runs a restaurant. And so she got her own reality show about 10 years ago, wow. 10 seasons ago. That was a spinoff of her Real Housewives experience. And basically, it's these spoiled 20-somethings who work in her restaurant who are also like, they look like models too. And it's the drama of them not coming in for shifts and sleeping around together. And just like, it's crazy, dumb, the drama that they conjure. I don't know if anybody ever eats in this restaurant or gets food or gets proper service because wow. they have just knocked down drag out fights in front of customers Wow! in this very swanky, you know, five-star restaurant. And I'm assuming it's in LA, but it's the dumbest show. And she is now, she's into it. Like she's... She's on, she reads the blogs about it and she's on the, <sighs> that's one of the reasons she wanted to watch it because there was a big something kind of scandal happened recently. And she was like, I don't want to know all this because I don't know why the, what made up this. So right. I got to go find out why this person's mad at this person. And so everybody in our small group, the girls anyway, hopefully not any of the guys watch it too. And they're like, you just started off. Oh my gosh, man, they're bummed. And so now it's a whole thing. Wow. So now our entire audience is dumber having listened to I that don't, explanation. I generally don't endorse judgmentalism. I'm not pretending that anything I watch or listen to is any better than that. You know what? No. Don't back off of this. Like sports. Come on, man. I'm sorry, Johnny. No. You are backing off to try to balance yeah. or counterbalance your previous statement. We yeah. need to call this right. dumb thing dumb. Okay. This is dumb. But what, what itch do you think it scratches in our culture? Because it's not just my wife. My wife's an intelligent person. Oh, your wife's brilliant. So what's going on? Again, my daughter watches Dance Moms. I think that there, there is a draw to someone else's drama. It yeah. is. It's a t- yeah, that's the other thing about my wife, and I always tell her this. You hate drama. drama. She hates, even like standing up for herself, Yeah, she would feel like, oh, I'm just going to let it go. You know, She'll stand up for herself now more than ever, and I'm proud of her. But if there's conflict going on around us and she's like in the room, yeah. and if she's here overhearing it at the airport, she's all in. 
But if it's in our face, she's like, Mm-mm. wants to climb under the couch. But for some reason, s- screaming people on a television is like, get the popcorn. Maybe it's safe, a safe distance yeah. from the thing within that she's uncomfortable about. Hmm. But Curry, tell us how you, how does this make you feel? <sighs> I feel yeah. like when I get home, there's going to be more drama after she hears this. <laughs> she did say about last ep- the episode we did with Bates where, where I told the story, and I had permission to tell it, uh, I assume. Anything she tells me, I assume this can go in the show, right? <laughs> no, uh, but the thing about her uh, looking for a job that she was unhappy. She was unhappy at her job as a receptionist, mm-hmm. and she was looking for a job at the job on the computer at her work computer and saw her job posted. <laughs> right. And I thought it was such a funny story. Yeah. And I, and I told the story of like, she wasn't a very good employee at that job. She was miserable at that job. And so she, she was like, well, I'm glad I'm okay with you telling everybody that I was a bad employee. Yeah, and no I was kidding. like, I was like, sweetie. Yeah. I said, I think I go down. I she goes, no, you didn't make me look bad. Everything's fine. And I was like, we talk about my job. I said, I worked at Home Depot for three years. It wasn't like if they'd fired me, I'd have been like, what? But I'm the best one here. I was the worst. Do you think that this now, like, Mm -hmm. defense of your own bad behavior back on the air is Uh going to just continue the cycle? I think I've smoothed it over. I think it's made it better. And the people who didn't hear that episode now, (laughs) it's fresh trauma for them. This is like their vendor pump. I just keep traumatizing my wife over and over again. We want you to give us... A play-by-play every week yeah. of this conversation. Let me tell you some other jobs she was bad at. <laughs> no. she's. What's funny is she's had the same job for like 10 years now. Right. She's a caregiver, and she's unbelievable yeah. at it and can't imagine ever doing anything else. And we ran a nonprofit together in Knoxville, Tennessee. She's fantastic at that. Very caring person. I feel like you're making a case now. I think that's the hard part is if you work a desk job and you just kind of have to treat people like a number. Yeah. She wasn't good at that detachment. You have to, she has to really care about what she's doing to really enjoy it and to be like, you know, and that's me too. Like until I found comedy, like I was okay at this job and I was okay as a pastor, I think, because I really enjoyed connecting with people. But I, you know, so many of my retail jobs, I was horrible at because I just thought I was treated like a number. And so I ended up treating other people like numbers without meaning to. Well, I mean, sometimes Johnny, you got to think about the numbers. (sighs) I didn't. And, and so my numbers are not great. And I don't like to think it. about numbers, but sometimes they're an important part really? of... This feels like a segue. <laughs> <laughs> With that in mind, we should probably take a moment... Think about our numbers. Think about our numbers and hear from a few of our sponsors. Yeah, I don't want to list all the things... In my wife's life that mm-hmm. although I do think it's a funny experiment what can I say to yeah. know A that she's listening right because I will drop things sometimes like cause I know listeners are listening like yeah. I wonder if they're going to come to me or not uh-huh. but it would be a funny experiment like you become uh-huh. our reality television like you just keep well, bringing the drama out that's of kind it. of the tricky thing because it's happened we talked about with Brian on Nate Land because the, so, much, so much of their show now is about the show yeah because it's there's things that they say on the show that have taken off a, on a life of their own, and now people reference the show in mm-hmm. their online stuff, and then they they can talk about it on the show, and it can become this weird loop of yeah. infinity, strange thing. So, uh, yeah, we can make it's like when the news started becoming injecting itself into the news, right? You know, it's right. weird. Like yeah, yeah. on election night, if you call Arizona for candidate X. Before anybody else, 
you're kind of injecting yourself into the story. And right. in those newsrooms, they're saying that, like, if we call, if we get this right first, we're going to decide the election. And they, they, they're becoming the news now, which really you're only supposed to report the news. That, that's our generation growing up. We reported right. the news. So anyway, we want to just report the news, John. We don't want to become <laughs> the news. And the news would be, Laura's leaving you because you said something hateful. <laughs> if you consider us a journalistic source. I don't. Then I don't even know if I consider us a source. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's the opposite? What is the other option? We're a drain. <laughs> a drain. We're, we're where sources flow to and yeah. then disappear. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Like in, it's like one of those weird things where you see like a satellite image of like a whirlpool and you're like, where's all that going? Yeah. 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 We're that. We're like a black hole in space. Yeah, it's like that. Remember when the Corvette Museum in Bowling Green just like caved in? There was a sinkhole and all yeah. these like million dollar cars just fell into like a mile below the earth or whatever. Yeah. That's us. That's us. Yeah. And we want to be a sinkhole for your time <laughs> and uh, your energy. <laughs> just keep investing. Yeah. And hope the insurance will cover it. Right. Hey, speaking of insurance. Yeah. So I don't know if you know that almost everyone's plants in this area died in the I've, big freezes. I've, I have given up hope on my bushes now. Mm-hmm. I had a row of bushes that I kept thinking, man, those usually are in by now. And they're still just sticks. Yeah. And I'm like, and my, and Curry's, we don't have any idea about plants. So Curry's like, no, they'll, they're going to be. Can I you see, work in I a see nursery? It. Yeah. And still. Again, this was one of the jobs that I had that I didn't like. <laughs> I would just give people. You used to like name the Latin and stuff when we. I knew. I knew enough about it. when you get around it, you know the lingo, right? But I mean, which I my favorite plant is lingo. It oh, is. It's beautiful in the summer. I didn't like it though, and uh, it wasn't my bad. Just selling bags of dirt to people. Yeah. Ring me up forty bags of topsoil. You're like, hey, it's all around you. One time, this lady bought uh, fifteen bags of cow manure. She loaded it into her uh, <laughs> Kia Sportage. And then I swear to you, she came back like 20 minutes later and she was like, can I take these back? I go, what? She goes, these things stink. (laughs) I'm not kidding. She wanted a refund because the cow manure she had just purchased Uh, smelled up her Kia Sportage. See, that's when like the the do it yourself Mm -hmm. movement goes awry. Yeah. When you know so little. And again, I know. And what is cow manure but a do it yourself movement? (laughs) Right? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Exactly. I think you know where I was going. I do. But yes, my bushes have fallen prey as well, and you're now like trying to replace yours. I'm waiting on mine. I'm waiting on the letter from the HOA. But yours on the side of the house that are dead. They are, but I think it does show a difference between us. First of all, your wife cares more about that stuff than my wife, I think. My wife's just like, just don't get me in trouble with the cops or the HOA. <laughs> no, I mean in the HOA. The cops, too. Like, what is happening in your neighborhood? But it's like, you know what I mean? Like, the that's HOA what, are like we the... stash the goods on the bushes. <laughs> Don't get me in trouble. Get the go bag. <laughs> the five O's outside the door. Yeah. But yeah, so I think, uh, well, we're ha- you're having to get together soon. So that's part of this too, right? You're having to get together. So now it's like, it's time to make people think you really live this way. Okay, wow. Really? No. So what's happening? No. We can't have them just see you in your natural habitat. We're going to make you think your deck always has fresh paint on it. Okay, first of all, this Oh was- no, these shrubs? Oh, they've been here for ages. We were already in motion. There's like a bobcat, like, <laughs> moving as we come in the driveway. <laughs> Pay no attention to the men and the There's bobcat. There's paint, like, on your cheek <laughs> that you haven't wiped off. My hands are 
like yeah. bruised and it's fine. battered. We do that when we go out of town. We will clean the house so that the person who watches our house thinks, thinks that, that we're not garbage. Clean. Well, we do that when we go to the doctor. I literally like... You clean your house when you go to the doctor? Absolutely. I want them to... No, Joe. <laughs> when I go to the doctor, though, like I'll spend the two you weeks... You clean your proverbial house, if you know what I mean. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was saying before I go to the doctor... Yeah. Like the few weeks beforehand, uh-huh. I'll try to lose a few pounds. Yeah, make sure I'm on my meds well. All so he'd be like, "Why? Why are you even here? What do oh, I been, What do you even need me for? You're doing great." And like you know, a month before, I was just. just I wish garbage. I was as healthy as you. Yeah, <laughs> I do that. The, I do that for thing. the dentist, where you're just the night before you're sandblasting, water picking. Yeah, just. Well, did, have you been flossing? You're like sure last night, and yeah, they're like, "Your gums are really tender." Yeah, I know. I've flossed all night. <laughs> Blood everywhere. <laughs> But yeah, well, but I'm not doing this, Johnny, to for the approval of others. Well, it's good because I'm not impressed. I know you're not, and you're actually invited to the get together. I know, so we'll see if you come over. <laughs> you better not say a word. You're gonna rescind the invitation. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna say a word. I'm saying a word now. <laughs> I'd like a word. Uh, they all died. Yeah, and you know, you never know when you might list your house. That's what true. if something comes up? That's true. And the truth is, and this is what I was getting at, though. I mean, this is this stuff, and I've I've talked to a lot of landscapers, and then I talked to my insurance agent. Yeah, I called. I was like, "Hey, all this stuff's been here for twenty years, and it's dead. Mm-hmm. After I replace it, surely this is covered somewhere." Oh, really? You thought it might be a like? Could this not be? This is a this is a major investment. It's a force majeure. It's an act of God, right? The cold snap. Well, that's what I was thinking, and he was like, "You know what? All the plants around your house on the outside, we just think of them like grass." So if your yard died, it's the same thing to us as mm-hmm. that. So it's not covered. I'm like, really? He goes, I'm getting calls left and right. I mean, because this is millions. So you weren't the only lunatic that thought you could get free plants from Progressive. Okay, I was going to pay my deductible, <laughs> by the way. And my deductible uh, is not low. Can't get uh, low deductibles anymore. Remember good old days, Johnny? Yeah. You get a good $500 deductible. Uh-huh. Oh, those were the times. Mm-hmm. These are the rantings of old men at yes. this point. Um. But so now I'm going to call him back, though, that I've put stuff in and ask, can right. I take out? Oh, like a Lloyd's of London policy on your Just some additional Bush. little addendum. Because, yeah. by the way, I have a sinkhole policy. It costs me like $3 a month. Okay. Because there's sinkholes in the area. So for right. $3 a month, because here's the thing. If it, if, if it fell into a sinkhole and that's not in the fine print of the insurance right. policy, mm-hmm. well, I'm sorry. We, you didn't have sinkhole. Well, you didn't even offer it. I still, even so, this is me. Is your insurance agent Foghorn, Foghorn like? <laughs> is it Colonel Sanders? <laughs> Why, do the- <laughs> No, I, I just, I just, I feel like right. I'm not trying to rant against the insurance industry. No, no, they're totally, yeah, they're great. But Very it, fair. It, it feels like when I need them, yeah. they're not there. Mm. Or they're like, you know what, I know you need us, but have you read your fine print? Like, who can read? In fact, they have the right to change the fine print without okay. you even knowing. Man. And they send you a bunch of letters all the time. And Would you have been surprised if your plants had been covered? It feels like you grasped at straws there. Yeah, I did grasp. Yeah. At who Whose idea was it to call the insurance company who, who, who? and ask? I just wanted to know if it passes a certain point. If I mean, my gosh, if I pay yeah. this $1,500 deductible, uh-huh. could I get this? And you're going to raise my premiums as well. Right. But it's connected. Yeah. Some of it's been touching my house, Johnny. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's on base. Right. If it's touching the house. Anything touching the house. Is that part of the house now? Yeah. Yeah. 
You start parking your car so I, with the bumper so I, touching the house. So if I come to your house and I touch your house, do you're I, covered. Am I covered on your guys? I think this is, this is like the there's exodus. a cold snap that kills me. This is like the angel of death coming through as long as you're touching the house, yeah. which is not exactly what God said. No. It was about blood on the doorpost, but the principle. If I put blood on your doorpost, it's been then, a weird party. <laughs> That's a weird Memorial Day gathering. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we didn't finish the thing. So movies, yeah, movies. You save movies though. Yes. So my wife, here's the, this feels like I'm just throwing yeah, dirt on her. Curry, I'm sorry for I, her taste. I have nothing but good things. things to say about your wife. Because here's the thing, I'll admit to you, I like these movies too, and I have no idea why. Okay. I, I can't tell you. Like it's almost like when you eat cotton candy, you're like, all right, yeah. What's next? It was good. You enjoyed it, and it had no value, and you don't even remember it really. Right. The Fast and the Furious movies. Oh, yeah. We watch every one. And now they have their own universe of characters, you know. Right. And it gets crazy. They have to ramp up the stunts and the crazy and everything. It's so, it's laughable now, the things they try to do with these cars. It's crazy. They're superheroes. My favorite thing about Fast and Furious, by the way, I like them too. Because in the beginning, it was just like, we race cars. Right. We're It's a lifestyle. I live my life a quarter mile at a time, which I did too, because I had a crappy car. (laughs) It might break down a quarter mile at a time. But- (laughs) That was the thing you're racing for. It's like, and then they were kind of criminals, and now then they work for the CIA, and they're right. like government operatives by by the fifth one. Now Vin Diesel's running for president in part mm-hmm. twelve, right? Yeah. So now it's like they're basically Marvel characters. Yeah. They can just never get hurt if they're in their car. The car can't get hurt. Yeah, they lost me a little bit in the one where they jump between the two skyscrapers yes. in Dubai in yeah. a car. And then, and he, what's funny is as he goes out the window of one into the other. You just think, there's no chance he thought I could hit a girder and just like, I'm going to go right through the exact point of the plate glass window into a room of hopefully not a bunch of people at work. Right. I can't remember what it was. was it no one ever. Remember the A-team when they'd be being chased by Colonel Decker? Yeah. This was the 80s, so it was like a gentler. You could have a, a, a shoot 'em up but they had to show that no one was hurt. So the A-team is shooting back at them, and then they their Jeep. Behind them, you know, chasing the A-team's van would flip a hundred times in the air, land on its top, and then they'd get away, and then they would have to go back and show like a five-second shot of the military police getting out of the Jeep and like brushing themselves Boy, off. Like I wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and we just flipped 12 times. That but. was something. I'm going to feel <laughs> that in the morning. And you're like, no, all those guys are dead. Right. But they couldn't be because it was the 80s, and it was a family-friendly oh. action show. But what I'm saying is Fast and Furious is very similar in that, like, they're just wrecking carnage all throughout the city to try to get away with a safe or whatever they're stealing. Right. Entire swaths of cities are being wiped out, and yet there's no body count? Are you kidding me? Get out of here. All that said, we went and saw the new one, and it's ridiculous, and uh, I could not recommend it more highly. And you loved it. Oh, It is a guilty pleasure. This is is our dance bombs. This is our Vanderpump rules. It is. It's Fast and the Furious. It's Vendor Pump rules. <laughs> it's uh, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel pump. You know, my favorite part yeah. is how they have to keep coming up with creative ways to reorganize the words Fast and Furious to make this. So like, yeah. The Fast and the Furious. Right. Fast and Furious. The Fast and Furious. Fast and the Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. Like, it's. I wonder how many you can do. Three Fast, Three fu- Wait a second. Yeah. Furious. 
furiously fast. Like it's going to keep. Yeah. Now it's Fast X because it's the tenth, I assume. Did they say Fast X? Yeah, Fast X is what this one's called. So there's no Furious, where people just call. Which Fast X was like one of those fad diets in the '90s too. And was one of them fast and one of them furious in the beginning? Was Paul Walker and Vin Diesel like? I feel like they were both kind of fast and both kind of furious. Yeah, yeah. It's like the quick and the dead. Yeah, which one? I guess at the end of the movie, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Which one? Who was the ugly, the good, the bad, and the ugly? I don't know. Clint Eastwood. You think was he ugly? Was there a guy who was supposed to be the ugly guy? Huh? Can you? I, I don't know. remember. I never. I don't think I ever. Isn't that where it. they had the first appearance of the? Isn't that the first appearance? It of was that? a Clint Eastwood movie. I though. think that was Good, Bad, and the Ugly, where oh. you had the the wet <laughs> the jaw harp. Yeah. yeah. Is that was a jaw a, harp? A, well, in, in the you know the <laughs> no no and that wasn't. But I'm saying like the little. They always try to simulate the little rattlesnake tail with that little <laughs> instrument. We used that in one of our records a couple of times. Uh, we also used to sweet and low packet. We did use a sweet and low packet uh, to less effect. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't take off. So <sighs> no. Remember the. Remember the. No one's ever heard that song. Do you remember? And I don't mean to besmirch them. Okay. Do you remember at our old church in Alcoa that for one of the quote unquote revivals? Mm-hmm that they brought in a lady who'd written a book called oh. Don't Steal the Sweet and Low. It was just called Don't Steal Sweet the Sweet and Low. I remember yeah. that lady. And I think it had a Sweet and Low endorsement like on the cover. I think they Basically her, her one of her big things was a guilt trip for if you took extra sauces from the restaurants and Sweet stealing. and Low packets you were stealing. Yeah, uh, it's like office stealing where they, you know, if you borrow a pencil and yeah. use it for personal stuff. I think that there is a line where some people are probably taking advantage of the system. No. No, you're like it's, I take the church. This card is all in a bowl. Buy everything. I bought all my plants on the church card. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just is... kidding, everybody. I did not do that. Do not call anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but I just and again, yeah. Laura and I had that conversation the day. She was like, "Well, you know, maybe we shouldn't be like quite so quick to judge someone else's conviction." Yeah, and I think that there's a a thing for that because at the moment, even it was like, man. Out of all the things we could be talking about, right? We're like, I feel like we're really, and that's hard to know that line. It's e- it's yeah. easy to classify everything as legalism, or yeah, know, everything is majoring in legalistic minors. But- I will say it did bug me a lot in the '90s and early 2000s when it felt like every Christian I knew, first of all, every person I knew that wasn't a Christian, they'd have a our CD wallet. You'd open up their CD wallet in their car, yeah. and it'd be like 90, 100 CDs. Yeah. And it would all be like, you would see the artwork, the original artwork. I bought this CD. Yeah. Every Christian I knew, they would open up their CD wallet, and it would be white with magic marker. Because they were burning music. They were burning music. Or it was like, let me get a copy of that. Let me whatever. So I just that did bug me, because I was like, and some of these guys were in bands, and they were like hoping they would make it. I feel like me and you had a lot of debates about it. We probably did. I feel like I won. Well, uh, CDs are no longer a thing, so you just waited out the technology. Yeah. Now we're in the but now. Was, now music, people don't buy music at all; they just share it. People think of music as something you share. Now you have to tour three hundred days a year to make a living in music. Now, yeah, I did. Like you I did s- it, John. That's, you're you caused that. Thank you, thank you. Me and Napster took care of. No, but I'm not trying to generalize. I'm not saying every Christian did it, and every person who. I just think that there's interesting, like. We're supposed to, the integrity 
the things that we will like think it will make okay. You know, the cherry picking that we do. Well, look, yeah, I don't have money for this, and this is fine. And you're like, yeah, but this artist is out here, and and you're an artist yourself. You're trying to, well, but still, I don't. See, I wonder where sometimes moral dilemmas become. Or, or intersect with ethical dilemmas, intersect with spiritual dilemmas, because there is like this truth of you can't completely live like unfettered from some type of wrong or sin in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's James that says if anyone says he has no sin, he deceives himself and the truth is not in him. Right. And I want to say James as well. That could have been John, actually. It's either first John or James. Please don't quote me. But the other one says, um, um, which one was I about to quote, Johnny? I don't know. We say if we, if we say we have no sin, mm-hmm. we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. And the other says, we all sin in many ways, but if we're able to control the tongue, then we're actually in control of our whole body. Like, but there's that that and no man can tame the tongue. Right. That caveat though of we all sin in many ways. Mm-hmm which is not a license to do so. I think it's more of a, hey, like if you didn't steal sweet and low or you didn't burn music. Right. So for, for me, the line is thinking that somehow makes me righteous, which is, a, I'm not trying to be judgy towards yeah, those or, people. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is like by writing a book about your thing that you're uh, whatever, you're kind of saying like, everybody should be as upset about this as I am. You know, yeah. Out of all the things to be an activist about, right? Yeah. This is the injustice. Mm-hmm. It's almost like early, like this is all, this is in the nineties when she did this. It was like virt- almost virtue signaling. Like I don't do this. If you do this, right, you're not as good a person I as me. Like maybe she had a testimony about it that she used to do it, and then oh, she yeah. got. I think she was trying to be. She kicked sweet and low, you know, forthright about her own yeah. mistake in it. Well, it's one of those weird. Like again, I just. It's weird to explain. It would be weird to explain that to somebody who doesn't know about evangelical subculture. That there was there was a woman who sold a book about like there's a million things like that. But I'm saying like that's a that's one that'd be really one for the to, to go find somebody ever because every culture has a subculture, yeah, and and rules within that tribe. And we're no different as Christians. But evangelical culture in the '90s where people were like. They had a testimony, and then you got to figure out a way to monetize it, get a book out, get your thing going, and then like you'd or you could self-publish. And now it's like, well, this is my thing. I'm the sweet and low lady. Yeah, it's like explaining that to somebody who doesn't understand. I do think you're you're nailing. I think I'm guilty of this in some ways. That part of it is about identifying your unique place within the subculture. Yeah, that you could be identified as. Yeah, like I remember when I, when we wrote Not So Black and White. I had people, when we were talking friends, who would say, okay, so, all right, looking ahead, does this mean now that you're the racism guy? Right. They want to immediately... I mean, I probably had five... Put you in a box. ...people who were trying to help me figure... And they were trying to help me, like, okay, if you're going to write a blog, or, okay, if you're going to... Your social media presence, okay, so, like, let's identify you. Are you now the racism guy? Mm-hmm. And I was always like, well, I'm not... I don't know if I want to, like, I don't know if I want to just make my entire life about one part mm-hmm. that I think of something important. And also, I'm not qualified. I mean, not well, part of the whole book process was, hey, there are, like, you know, Christian civil rights activists and others out there that, and authors and professors and researchers who are living this in a way 
that I'm using, I'm, I'm learning from them, and I'd like to point you towards them. Right, and the whole know. premise of the book was we're having these honest conversations, a black guy and a white guy, and it was a it was a look into those conversations. Right. It wasn't like, here's my expert take. Right, and we gave a lot of takes, you know. A lot of that also I wanted to amplify. It was heavily researched, though. A lot of your takes were, you know. Someone else's take yeah. that I'm learning from. Right. Because yeah. it's dangerous to make your own take without a lot of research. And uh-huh. A take to stand on its own is a is what we all think we want. But interesting that, you know, I'm reading a book on Anglicanism. Okay. Okay. And and part of there's this, the, the author talks about what they call the compass rose of Anglicanism. And like the, the Latin term for sort of their way of living among these issues in the world is via media, which means the middle way. Okay. And like their goal is to not live anywhere in extremes. So I'm not promoting Anglicanism. I'm just telling you I'm reading about this. But like on the Compass Rose, one side says evangelical. Yeah. That's a part of it, which the author is very clear. It does not mean, you know, white Republican as it kind of we, we think of today. Like, it literally means like you believe that there is some sort of – that there's a, a personal relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. that you invite him into your life, that there is a sharing of faith, there's an evangelism aspect, um, or you know that you, you have some sort of individual – it's really about individualism. Yeah. There's an individual responsibility or some sort of agency in you in this walk with God. And then on the flip side of that, I forget exactly which one's on the other side of that. I think it was Catholic. Little C, uh-huh. which means standard or means, you know, it's a way we, uh, the way that the whole community believes. And much of Christian history and Christian culture has been about the community. It's evangelicals are very like, oh, I'm going to really focus on this personal relationship, which yeah. I believe in. And that's why it's a part of the compass. But we then tend to go so far that, again, we just, if you keep drilling into individualism, right. You eventually come to a place where you want to be identified by something unique that's apart from yeah. the faith. And it may, may be a good thing, but like from a from a Catholic, again, little c, not the denomination Catholic. Right. Being a part of the global church becomes right. less important because your individualism kind of has a life of its own now. Exactly. And you I want think, to be unique and special. And it's like, well, what makes me special is my relationship with Jesus. It's like, no, no, but I'm special in this other cool way. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. And, and I, the term I've been thinking of lately is sneaky pride. Yeah, there's a sneaky pride because, especially if you grew up in this, mm-hmm. and there's a lot for me and you to talk about in some future episodes, some things I've been sharing with you off off the air. But if you've been raised in this and you kind of have um, a, a, a good, a lot of good people telling you good things about the good things you can accomplish or do in your own unique self then it, it is really hard to separate and to not realize, and I've been there and I have been there recently, the weight of accomplishing those that potential or reaching that potential. Yeah. Almost as if it's the potential that Jesus, and, and you go into the parable of talents and don't bury it and take your two and turn to four and your five right. and turn to ten. And so there's like this this like tension between stewardship and that striving right. that, that becomes individualism that you don't mean for it to become. And then when someone, again, I think that's why I like this image of this, of this or compass rose again, is that you're there, there's a, there should be a, a tension that pulls me back towards the bigger picture of the body of Christ being larger than just me or what I add to this that, and, and that in that actually there's safety and joy and a release of pressure. Yeah. But you can go too far in those. And that's what he talks about. Like people who go completely into only, 
you know, a liturgical way of seeing the world. That's all about our practices and the big, the big organization and, and its structure. You know, they live in that with no personal interaction, mm-hmm. no like sense of, of interaction with God. That's one-on-one, no agency to respond. I've born into this. Therefore I am okay. Cause I'm in this community is also an unhealthy yeah. extreme on the other side. So yeah. yeah. Taking pride in your tribe and having no idea of like, an individual God or a, yeah, I've thought about that before, whether or not I'm a deist, you know, whether I live my life as a practical deist. Yeah. You know, of like God, deism, deism is like God made the watch. He wound the watch and now we're just kind of, mm-hmm. but he's not personally involved. He might even fix the watch from time to time. Right. You know, but he's just the watchmaker. And so like, that's really an antithetical to what I grew up in. But I look at my life sometimes and I'm like, am I treating God like he's this hands-off thing? Because then you stop praying, you stop doing all the things that you right. should be doing. Because you're like, well, look, it's going to, if I really believe God's sovereign, do I really need to be praying all this? Well, no, he told, me, he told us to pray. We should be praying. But you probably stopped, if you live in the other way, I found myself backing off of things out of disappointment and confusion yeah. because... Even when there are times that God did respond differently that he's than he's responding now, yeah. they felt like he was a more active he, he had a more active response or reaction to right. the things I was asking, and there are times he lets you sit in something inexplicably like you don't yeah you don't know what the reason is, you don't feel like you're getting any stronger you don't you know and in that case I do I start questioning evangelical like because I mean again I've in the last week I've heard people. Like I don't even know I don't even know why I moved here. I just God said go to Nashville. Right. And I go and it 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 sends off red flags in me going, mm-hmm. man. Again, that's why this is the tension. I love they say the lines on this compass rose are covered by this. I think it's like St. John's Cross or some symbol. Like it's intentional that you're not you're not able to see where those two lines cross and pinpoint huh. that that there should be some sense of constant movement and tension within a healthy place of I'm I live between evangelical and Catholic little C I live between I, I need and he even said this when the disciples asked Jesus to teach him how to pray yeah he didn't say just pray as you feel led mm-hmm. but that's how we were raised pray as you feel led it's right. like no he actually gave them a liturgy he gave them the Lord's well, Prayer then only the people who knew how to pray well and speak good in front of people they were like they were the confident prayers. Everybody else was like, please don't call on me. Thaddeus <laughs> <laughs> is like, please. Please. But, you know, it's like a, he gave him something to pray like this. Yeah. But then also, in, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see him praying as he feels led. You know, he's not reciting anything. So, like, there's this both and of where those two things meet. And I think when you live in a – think about Reformation – we're we are products historically historical legacies of a reformation yeah. mindset and downstream what happens is when you live in reaction you eventually react so far it could be an overcorrection to the point that you forget what you were reacting against in the first yeah. place because they would have had i mean again, early early reformers had they kept liturgy they kept other parts right. of their the, the catholicism that they were rejecting it was not all of it in its entirety it was the abuses of it. Yeah. But there was something to be taken with them into the next part. So. Yeah, Brian Zond uh, is an interesting follow, and he says things, that, but he talks about if we lived, if we, if we lived only by our traditions, we never would have left the caves. 
but if we don't honor our traditions, we'll wind up back in caves. He basically says, like, you have to find the good things about your tradition. It's like when people uh, become atheists. I've I've known people who've become agnostic and atheist, and, and I respect their beliefs and all that, but some of them have admitted to me, like, I really miss the community because when you're just, you're kind of floating. Yeah. And... We don't have like like Steve Martin used to have a famous comedy bit a few years ago that he was doing live on tour and it was the atheist has no songs and it was basically kind of all these beautiful hymns and all this music that's been written in church about God but the atheists really have no songs and he was like lamenting it you know yeah. in a funny way but it's like um, so yeah if we don't if we don't hold on to some tradition if we don't hold on to the good we wind up back in caves we're trying to escape this dark ages of whatever we think is bad about our faith. But it's important that we hold on to what's good, and that's why you need reforming. But I never want to pretend that there's not been reforming, and that's it's important to say, like, this idea that now it's almost like people want to treat Christianity like, no, this is exactly how the early church did it. We're the closest ones. There's a famous cartoon of a Sunday school class, and it's the timeline of the church. It's going all the way back. You know, it's this huge graph, and the cartoon character is looking, and he goes, and it's way at the end of the timeline, the most recent, and he goes, and this is where our church came along and got it exactly right. And then the other person goes, thank God we're here. And it's kind of funny because it's a very arrogant statement, but we do treat ourselves that way sometimes, like we nailed it. Right. Jesus is really glad we finally got distilled down the gospel into exactly how he meant for it to be distilled in our church. As we see doctrine, we nailed it. Right. You're welcome, God. That Apostle Paul, but but he just, (laughs) he wasn't as smart as we are. Right. No, you're dead on. I mean, there's a hubris to it. I think the humility of saying I may not have it right without losing the full confidence in the things that are, are right. Yeah. That is, that is the trick. And I think again, I know we're all afraid of the word deconstructing and it's been overused, but I've always said if you're going to use it, if, if you deconstruct properly, I have found in my own deconstruction that that I desire to reach a true rock yeah. at the bottom. Yeah, to me, it's a, to me it's a Jenga tower. That's, in my mind, that's what uh, my journey has been, is a Jenga tower. I don't want to take the tower down. I want to see what is not important to the structure of the tower. And it still stands, right. So my tower is still standing, but I took away nationalism. I took away the flag worship that had wound its way in. I took away some other things that were like, oh, I can poke right, this. Emotionalism it, as yeah, the thermometer for your faith. Exactly. Right. All of that. I can I can poke this one in that block. It's not even important. Yeah. So, yeah, if you take your tower all the way to the ground and then you've got to reconstruct it from nothing, I can imagine it would be a very like – that's a worrisome thing that a generation might be doing that. I can see why people would be worried about that. Yeah. But everybody's not doing that. No. Some of us are just really frustrated – with the bad things about our tradition and the things that don't hold to the, the words of Jesus. And so I don't think everybody should be lumped in the same way. Yeah, and I, I wish you'd stop doing it. Well, I, I do call this show you want Talk me to About come, Deconstruction. You want me to come to your Memorial Day cookout and see your fancy new shrubs? <laughs> Good grief. You would have take out a second mortgage to get, oh, probably. Oh, my goodness. It's not. I did not want to do it. I did not control the weather. I did not control the insurance company. Uh-huh. I don't control anything. Mm. Um, in fact, I don't even control if we're about to do the next segment. Oh, what is the it, next segment, John? <laughs> well, it's a little thing uh, I think that we enjoy every week. Yeah. Johnny, uh, 
uh, regales Let's us. Let's go all the way back, John. Yeah, it regales us with all these thoughts of history. What do you call it again? I think it's called Talk About Then. Yeah. John, the Brooklyn Bridge uh, is opened this week. You know what year? Brooklyn Bridge. Let's. I'm going to call that. Ooh, the Brooklyn Bridge. Brooklyn Bridge, 1883. No, give me. You wouldn't second. have got it over uh, the over the uh, East River. It connected the cities of New York and Brooklyn for the first time in history. Its construction took 14 years, and uh, the deaths of 27 workers. Wow. The Brooklyn Bridge was designed by John Augustus Roebling. His use of wire rope enabled him to build suspension bridges thought impossible by other engineers. So he was kind of a... Yeah. He was bending the rules here to try to... He died of tetanus from injuries received while inspecting the Brooklyn Bridge. You are kidding. So he used this wire rope, and then he died of tetanus from injuries received Ooh, while... you don't want to die of tetanus. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, the con artist George C. Parker became famous for selling the Brooklyn Bridge sometimes as often as twice a week. So that's not, a, that's not just an old saying like, I'll sell you, I got a bridge I can sell you. This guy really did it. Wow. People bought the Brooklyn Bridge from a dude. Wow. Sometimes twice in a week. If you're the same guy buying it twice in a week, you probably right. had it coming. Yeah, that's, that's on you. That's on you. Um, by the way, the- Bridge me once. Shame on. Wait. <laughs> Bridge me. If you've not watched the Ken Burns documentary on New York City. Need to. It is fascinating. That's why Any I was, Ken Burns. That's why I was try. trying to search the recesses of my memory. But 1844, John, this week, uh, Samuel F.B. Morse. Sends the message yeah. from his from Washington to Baltimore. Paper fed through the receiving telegraph would be indented while transmitting the devices. Uh, while the transmitting device's key was pressed, he had developed a code of dots and dashes, short and long presses, to represent the alphabet. He received a grant from the U.S. government to run the telegraph line between D.C. and Baltimore. Do you know what that grant was for? How much money, John? To just to run that one line for that first transmission and probably further transmission. $20,000. 30 You were really close. Okay. That's okay. pretty good. So, yeah. And that's, that's 1844 money. Right. But what I was going to ask you, do you know what the first telegraph message was? Oh, I knew it was going to come. I know this one. I, I would have remembered it. Uh, I mean, I'm reading it now. So I'm like Chuck Woolery. I already have the answer in front of me. Yeah, I'm like no. Alex Trebek being disappointed. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. it was San Francisco, I and I'm all smug. Right. Yeah, but he had it in front of him. But I think I would have remembered this. Go ahead. What hath God wrought? Oh, did you not? Do you remember it now? I did do I say it? That. Yeah. What hath God wrought? What hath God we wrought? We use rot enough. We need more rot in this today and age. Yeah. All right. Uh, 1830. By the way, guys, it's W R O G H T. Yes. Not R O T. No. May 24th, 1830, Sarah Josepha Hale's nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb, is published. 1830. Mm. Reportedly, the poem was inspired by an actual event. Did not know this. Huh. Hale was teaching children in a small school when a student named Mary entered the classroom. Names not changed to uh, protect the innocent. Entered the classroom, followed by her pet lamb. So this is true to, true, true to life. I wonder if this kid ever got any... After the lamb disrupted the class, she put the lamb outside where it waited for Mary till class was dismissed later that day. <laughs> so the lamb waited around. Wow. So uh, there you go. Well, I wonder if Mary got any residual royalties. That's what I mean. It should have everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. But everywhere Mary went, she did not make a paycheck. I mean, this, is the, this is the full text of it. I did not know there was a... Did you know this? 
So I just thought it ended there. This is the rest of the poem. He followed her to school, school one day, day. School one day. School one day. That was against the rule. It made the children laugh and play to see a lamb at school. Yeah, I remember that one. I don't remember that was part is there of it. A third? Probably, but okay. they didn't give the rest. Oh, we should write one. The rest of it's like lamb stew or something. Probably it gets gets dark. gets dark at the end. The lamb and then gets the teacher's slain the lamb. The lamb gets plague <laughs> and then it's ring around the rosy from then on. You know, oddly enough, I heard that that lamb died of tetanus from the Brooklyn Bridge. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Why would they let a lamb inspect the Brooklyn Bridge? There's your bad guy. <laughs> that inspector's on the take. That's uh, not right. He's on the lamb. Right. <sighs> it was right there. <laughs> I wonder where that comes from, lamb, L-A-M, being on the lamb. I really wonder that, Does it too. stand for something? Leaving a Leaving, mark. I'll uh, look it up. There's no way to know. We'll look it up for next week. It's good to have, like, a cliffhanger. We're like the Fast... By the way, the Fast and the Furious now is a cliffhanger, because they shot two. Oh. So don't go expecting to have closure. By the way, they shot no one. They shot no one. <laughs> they ran a car into a lot of people, though, <laughs> I'll tell you that. They didn't shoot anyone. Manhattan was... Per- I'll leave this. We'll leave on this one. Manhattan was purchased this week. 1626, John. Okay. It's purchased from the Indians by Peter Minuit for the Dutch. Yeah. For goods valued at, okay. John. By their time? Their standards? John, yes. I'm not 16? Gonna, uh, 1626. Okay. Because I like this game. Yeah. The uh, entire island of Manhattan, mind you. I'm going to call it you're way off by really? a factor of 100,000. $24. What? Yeah. Well, by a factor of 100. They paid him $24 back 1, then? Yeah. By a factor of 1,000. $24, goods, just goods valued at. So it could have just been a bunch of shells for all we oh know. My Here's a couple of gourds. You know, I thought, okay, okay, from the Native Americans. But again, I will say this. None of the Broadway theaters were there at this time. Well, that this is, is old Manhattan. This is old Manhattan. Yes, this is before Carnegie Deli was in. Oh, well, they had it, but the open face sandwiches weren't near as good. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, twenty four bucks you oh, can get Manhattan. That was a good investment. It's, it has gone up substantially since then. I worry that there may have been some sort of that was probably a little not, bit of taking advantage yeah. of the natives. I yeah, would sorry. say, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're yeah. I mean, we didn't do anything, but I feel still bad. But yeah, this, the yeah the indigenous stories are. Speaking of twenty four dollars, John, you bought my lunch today, and I want to say thanks. Well, I was you kind of yeah. This is going to be a, a mixed stroke coming from you here. <laughs> That's when you mix compliments. Well, and you did criticism. this thing where you go, "Hey, can you meet tomorrow eleven fifteen? I go, "Sure." Then you text me, "Hey, day's dragging on eleven thirty. I go, "Okay." Then you text me, "What about twelve thirty, man?" I go, "What?" Then you text me back. I get in the shower. <laughs> I get out of the shower to a text that says, can we just not do lunch? Can you just meet me at the church? Can you get lunch for us? On me. And bring gonna, it with you. I and I go, for it. at which point I go, am I being punked? <laughs> Are you sitting with a group of people going, let me see how many times I can change plans on Johnny. He has no kids and no real job. This is hilarious. Let me ask you this. Was He's it? like my puppet. But you know what was, You know what the crazy thing is? Yeah. You could have done any of it. I wasn't happy about it. I mean, I still have a day planned. No. I have other things going on. What do you have to do? So by the time you did show up, and then I met you at 1230, yeah. weren't you late again? I was late. You were late to a lunch that you already moved three times. Yeah. And I'm sitting there at the table like a schmo. You're eating, taking in that bread, though. Like Looked it, like I've been stood up. You, you took down that loaf of bread. What did like people was... do? What did people do at tables before phones? 
Like when somebody went to the bathroom and you're at the table by yourself, you just stared into space. Yeah. Like a lunatic. I think I had to carry a book with me or something. Don't you immediately go to your phone? You go, I'll be right back. You go, okay. You immediately yeah. oh, go. Oh, I can be productive. Oh, I can check the well, scores. Well, not productive. No. I can see if I've got new recruits. Thank Ooh, you. I can, yeah. 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 I don't like that part. Recruits? Of oh, you mean for, you don't mean your recruits. No, no. It's like, who are John, you recruiting? I'm building a movement. <laughs> who are you recruiting? <laughs> when I said the Reformation, that is my organization. Right, well, uh, no, if but, you'd like to join the Reformation, you guys, you can do so at <laughs> talkaboutthatpodcast.com where you can find over 260 archived episodes wow. for your enjoyment there. Listening enjoyment. Yeah. And, and you can go back uh, and see what we talked about in the old days. And, and be like, can, man, were they off. Wow. Uh, absolutely. But you could enjoy those and you could share them with friends. There's even a, a place on that page where you can send us a direct email and a question. So we have a direct link now to yeah. us that we get those emails. We enjoy those. Leave a review on our uh, iTunes or wherever you get your fine podcasts. That helps people find us. We appreciate that. Yeah, and, you and can if you even w- support the show and get ad free content. Exactly. If you yeah. don't want to hear the ads, you can go up to That'd the far great. right top corner and just yeah. boink. Do that. And uh, yeah, we're having fun though. Yeah. Check out uh, johndriver.com and johnnywjonnie.com for all of our socials. Johnny's tour dates. A dude's blowing it up. He's everywhere. I thought you were saying, dude is blowing it. <laughs> he will not be doing this much writing, longer. I was writing a children's script and it was talking about in the nursery. Yeah. It was talking about when you uh, drop off the baby. Mm-hmm. And when I was editing it last night, I left out the word off. Oh, no. It's like when you drop the when you baby. you drop the baby. Like, that's, I'm glad I caught Those that. Those are different. That's a different shot that video. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, man, it's exciting times and uh, new stuff coming all the time. So it's something you want to be a part of. But for real, leave those reviews that help. Send us questions, comments, other things. And uh, we appreciate the time you give us every week. Let's do it again, Johnny. You want to do it again? Yes. Next week on Talk About Math. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.